0: Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al McEwan. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. Hope you've come to the right place. But if not, stick around. I'm your host Al Melkier. Going to be a good show today. Uh, Unfortunately, no Matt Modica today. So uh, if you're looking forward to uh, Tuesdays with Modica, as I was, um, we're all going to have to wait till next Tuesday. Uh, That's unfortunate. But uh, Matt will be back, uh, I believe, uh, next week. So uh, I'm just going to handle things here for the next hour. And uh, there is plenty to keep me busy here. Uh, Of course, we had the big trade yesterday. A little bit early for uh, a major deal. But um, as I'm sure you know by now that uh, Kelvin Herrera, no longer a Kansas City Royal, uh, getting traded to the Washington Nationals, break down that trade on both sides. Uh, We have a potential uh, trade in the works for another big time closer. Uh, I will tell you who that is. Uh, I've got some uh, updates on Kevin Kiermeyer, Carlos Carrasco, uh, and uh, Clayton Kershaw as well. We'll go over the uh, state-up performances from Monday's games and check in on the game currently going on, which is a uh, game that was postponed for Monday, the Dodgers and the Cubs at Wrigley. Also uh, to be known in perpetuity as the walk fest at Wrigley. And no, it's not just because of Tyler Chatwood, uh, although he's certainly doing his part. And uh, also going to take a little bit of a look at some players with some unusual Babbitt breaks. Uh It's been a while, I think, since I've focused a segment or a good part of a segment on Babbitt rates, But, you know, we're at that part of the season now. Sample sizes are sufficient, sufficiently large that we can learn some things from that very cool stat. So uh, that's all coming up as well. Uh, In addition to checking in on lineups for uh, tonight's big slate and the weather as well. So much to get to. So let's go back to Kelvin Herrera. Again, going to the Washington Nationals in that deal yesterday. Uh, In return, going uh, to the Royals. A trio of prospects, you've got uh, third baseman Kelvin Gutierrez, a Kelvin for Kelvin deal, but uh, also uh, Blake Perkins, minor league outfielder, and a 17-year-old right-hander by the name of Johansa Morrell. I apologize because one of those pronunciations is wrong. Um, So in terms of the big fantasy impacts, uh, Herrera, I mean, this this is really the big deal. Kelvin Herrera going to set up for Sean Doolittle in D.C. It was going to be a disappointment no matter what because both Doolittle and Herrera are having terrific seasons so far. Uh, Either you're going to have one go exclusively to a setup role or the other or a timeshare. Either way you look at it, uh, it's not really great for some number of fantasy owners, and at least since it's not uh, going to be a timeshare, uh, at least the, the pain is not distributed quite as broadly. So Sean Doolittle, uh, that is the plan for Davey Martinez in, in uh, Washington to let Doolittle continue closing. Uh, on the other side of it, the Royals, I've brought it up a bunch of times. Uh, I had John Heyman on the show a few weeks ago. He said that uh, Herrera was the most likely Royal to be traded. John, of course, was right about that. Uh, even before having John on the show, just looking uh, at what, what seemed to be a likely outcome at some point trying to speculate on who that replacement closer would be in Kansas city for a while. I thought um, maybe it would be uh Jason Adam. He was uh, recently optioned to the minors. Uh, so not, not him. I mean, it's really there. There's been nobody that stands out in that Royals bullpen, but if you do have to speculate, and again, I'm not exactly, you know, first at the party here with this, this advice, Uh, But the the lead candidates would seem to be Tim Hill and Kevin McCarthy. Neither one really profiles that much like a uh, traditional closer or or at least a stud fantasy closer of the two. Hill is probably closer to that because uh, he does get some strikeouts in the neighborhood of of one per inning. So not exactly, you know, dominant closer stuff, but uh, McCarthy is just downright a contact pitcher. But uh, Hill and McCarthy, both uh, ground ball pitchers uh, with rates uh, in the neighborhood of 60%. I don't I, I, of the group, I certainly do like uh, Hill the best, but uh, I'm not speculating on any of these folks. could also be a, a timeshare situation there quite likely. And maybe uh, a bit of a tryout to see if anybody does emerge, uh, but just not a good situation for speculation. Uh, as for those prospects that the Royals got back, uh, Kelvin Gutierrez, he's, uh was at uh, Delhi Harrisburg in the national system, was back 274 with five homers and 10 steals. Uh, Blake Perkins uh, was uh, at uh, high A Potomac, uh, just one homer and just a 234 batting average, but uh, consistently good walk rates. Throughout the minors and some speed as well. Uh, he had a, a 344 on base percentage with Potomac and 12 steals, so uh, maybe some potential there as a, a stolen base source uh, down the line uh, for Blake Perkins. And uh, Morrell has uh, just recently started his first year in the um, in the national system, and again, just 17 years old, so he's he's a ways off uh, and not generally considered to be a top prospect, but. Uh, you know certainly uh, you know some some upside there. now I mentioned there's another potential deal involving a, a closer, but I would not be sitting on the edge of my seat waiting for this one. Uh, the, the closer in question here is Brad Hand, and according to John Morosi of MLB Network, the Red Sox are interested in Brad Hand. however, Morosi reports that the likely asking price would be someone like Rafael Devers. Uh, I don't know that now it's somebody like Devers, so I don't know that Devers has been in any discussion yet. But uh, I think that's consistent last with reports we got last year about teams inquiring about Brad Hand, that the asking price was very high, as well it should be. And a, a lot of folks have been very critical of the Royals for dealing Herrera, not only for the haul that the Royals got, and that they got a, a handful of, of decent, but not top-flight prospects, but that maybe if they had waited longer, that the Royals could have gotten a better group of prospects in return for Herrera. Uh, So the Padres, again, by uh, this one report from uh, John Morosi, and again, consistent with reports I recall from last year closer to the deadline, uh, I don't think the Padres are going to part with Brad Hand uh, without getting something really substantial in return. Uh, Just a few injury updates. Uh, Carlos Carrasco uh, had uh, tests done on his right elbow, as uh, discussed on the show yesterday. Uh, Those tests came back negative for structural damage, according to MLB.com. He is going to receive treatment over the next three days, and he will be evaluated on Wednesday. Um, So we're really still basically, I mean, good, good interim news for Carrasco. And that uh, the test came back negative, but we're really still in a the same place. We're start, in a holding pattern, waiting for more definitive information on the severity of the elbow injury. Um, although again, uh, the the initial news here is positive, even though the tests were negative. That's how that works. But still uh, waiting for some sort of uh, timetable on Carlos Carrasco, uh, Kevin Kiermaier, uh I re- was uh, mentioning. I'd, Yesterday's show, that is Monday, that he could be back as soon as Friday. We'll scratch that. <laughs> According to the Tampa Bay Times, Kiermaier says that uh, he could be back possibly today. So I will check in on lineups in a little while and see if uh, Kiermaier. I have not seen anything about him being activated, but he did work out with the team yesterday, and if he responded well to that, we could see Kiermaier today. Would have been really nice to know that 24 hours ago when I was setting my lineups. Just saying. Javier Baez is expected to be available for uh, the Cubs in the nightcap of this doubleheader that they are in the midst of. Uh, So, Baez not starting uh, today. You've got uh, Ben Zobrist batting third and playing second. Uh, So, no Baez yet, uh, no Baez appearance in this day game between the Dodgers and the Cubs. But uh, after having been plunked in the elbow over the weekend, could be available. For tonight, and again, I will uh, check in on that and that report. By the way, from the Chicago Sun Times. As a kid growing up in Chicago, uh, I called it the Chicago Sun Times. I don't know if I was, you know, unusual as a little kid making that mistake. Uh, went Merrifield. He got uh, hit by pitch over the weekend, but he was already back on Monday. Uh, he returned. Uh, went one for four against the Rangers. So good to see. And Elvis Andrews. Finally back, uh, activated uh, on the DL with a fractured elbow. Came back yesterday. Didn't get a hit in that same game uh, against the Royals, but did walk twice and score a run. So uh, Andrew's right away giving you a little bit of a contribution fantasy-wise. According to Sportsnet, Marcus Stroman threw a sim game uh, on Monday against uh, some of the minor leaguers with the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. That's uh, double A he was supposed to have a rehab outing, but it was uh, postponed by rain. And uh, right now he's on track to make a start for the Blue Jays this weekend, this weekend against the uh, Angels. So good news there for uh, Marcus Stroman. Clayton Kershaw is now scheduled to make a rehab start for Oklahoma City on Saturday, according to MLB.com. So he could be back as soon as next week. So we'll see how that goes on Saturday for Clayton Kershaw. Zach Davies, he is uh, finally beginning a rehab stint. Uh, he's going to make a start tonight for Triple uh, A Colorado Springs against Salt Lake. He's been on the DL with a, a right shoulder issue, and he's probably going to have to make multiple rehab starts. I don't think we're just right around the corner from seeing uh, Zach Davies. And also, uh, the Angels activated uh, Cole Calhoun, who had been on the DL with an oblique strain. So uh, good news there for uh, Cole Calhoun, and hopefully coming back and hitting better than he had been uh, earlier in the season, hopefully uh, fully recovered. So uh, let's check in on uh, the game in progress. Dodgers at Cubs. It it is in the bottom of the fifth inning right now. 3-1 to Cubs, and the Cubs are actually threatening again. Uh, One out, I think actually now it's two outs, because Chris Jimenez just struck out, or no, I apologize, that is the first out. Uh, Chris Jimenez striking out against Daniel Hudson, so yes, to Maeda already out of the game. Dodgers just have two hits so far, but one of them was a leadoff home run by Jock Peterson. That's the only run they've got on the board. Says so for Mayeda, he lasted just three and two-thirds innings, uh, gave up three runs on five hits and five walks. So uh, not just Tyler Chatwood, Having some challenges with control in this game, uh, as we see pretty much with every start with Tyler Chatwood. But uh, Maeda, five strikeouts only, or I mean, five walks, only two strikeouts in those three and two-thirds innings. And Chatwood's still in the game. Again, he's just given up uh, two two hits, including that. homer has struck out six batters, uh, but walked five. He has matched uh, Maeda, although over more innings. So uh, actually seeing better control from Tyler Chatwood than uh, Quinta Maeda uh, in this contest. So um, we'll uh, keep an eye on that one. And like I said, we'll also keep an eye on uh, lineups as they uh, start to come in. But, um, you know, one thing that I I want to uh, break down a little bit later on, like I said, is uh, a little bit of analysis of some players babips and and the reason that this is on my mind is uh, I wrote a piece for Fantrax that was uh, published early this morning on five players that are among the leaders in babip I mean really extreme babips like in the 370 380 range and yet they're they're pretty much sustaining or I shouldn't say they're not sustaining but they're they're backing up what they're doing uh, and they could be players that maybe their owners are nervous. They're due for regression and maybe they are due for regression because just because you're, you're hitting in such a way that you can support a 380 BABIP doesn't mean you'll continue to hit that way. And what I mean by hitting in a way that sustains an, an ultra high BABIP, you've got uh, a high line drive rate, a very low pop up rate. Uh, you're hitting with uh, great exit velocity you're getting a lot of infield hits uh so there's a number of factors there but um five players in particular that I've looked at uh are, are doing some combination of those things uh and and doing them well so uh I, I'm gonna break those down and then Earl uh, uh rather uh yeah earlier today uh was serve as just an outgrowth of the research that I did For that piece on those five hitters, and again, I'll talk about those five hitters a little bit later on the show, but I noticed Gary Sanchez is having a very weird season, and I understand that weird is probably not the adjective that a lot of folks would necessarily use. I mean, it's been disappointing. Uh, The power has been there, but certainly not to the extent that you've grown accustomed to, but the real drag uh, on his fantasy value is his batting average, which currently is under 200. Uh, but I made the uh, I noticed something kind of interesting about that low batting average. That actually has me very encouraged about Gary Sanchez. So, uh, now that, that piece is actually not completed yet. So I don't want to give away too much, uh, on it, but, um, uh, I'll talk about that a little bit also as well as I'm, uh, breaking down, uh, some Babbitt rates in in super nerdy fashion. Anyway, uh, we do have to head to break, uh, very shortly here. So, uh, just to get you uh, queued up for what's ahead. Uh, going to take a look at the standout performances from yesterday. Brandon Nemo staying hot. Michael Conforto maybe getting hot. And Garrett Cole. The, the numbers are still good, but there are some warning signs that are starting starting to emerge for Garrett Cole. So going to take a little bit of a look into that as well. So that music is my cue that I've got to go look at look at some lineups to get ready for the next segment uh so sit tight i'm gonna be right back after this short break did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning fantasy sports radio network listen on the iheart radio app the tune in radio app 844- Eight four F N T S Y. That's eight four four eight four The Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Your free fantasy source, twenty four hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Whole bunch of lineups out. I'm going to save most of that for later. But uh get a quick update in a minute. But first, got to know who wants to go to a 2018 World Series game. Well, if you do, tune in to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network between July 8th and July 17th, as we'll be playing the DKMS Trivia Challenge for your shot to call in with a chance to attend the Fall Classic in person. The number to play is 844-843-6879. That's 844-843-FNTSY. The contest is sponsored by DKMS. who are looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. Uh, for many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. While thirty percent of patients can find a matching donor in their families, seventy percent—that's uh, nearly fourteen thousand people each year—must rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. So, find out how you can help the cause and go to dailyroto.com/dkms. That's dailyroto.com/dkms. It's the DKMS Trivia Challenge. From July 8th through July 17th, call in and win. So no Rays lineup yet. So unfortunately, I can't update you on the uh, Kevin Kiermaier situation. And uh, as as you would expect, no Cubs or Dodgers lineup for the nightcap. Uh, that's going to be 7.05 Central time at uh, Wrigley Field, Rich Hill, and Mike Montgomery uh, but we do have a whole bunch of the uh, lineups already out for the 7 o'clock Eastern games. In fact, almost all of those. So I'll have a lot to look over uh, in the next segment when I get you all uh, caught up on that to help you out with your uh, daily lineups for the nighttime slate. So uh, let's go back to yesterday's games and take a, a look in at uh, some of those performances. Of course, the one... Uh, maybe that had the most people talking was Juan Soto homering in that suspended game uh, with the uh, Nationals and the Yankees. And, uh, you know, just fun because people were making all kinds of time travel jokes. And the fact that when that game started, Soto hadn't even been called up yet, but he just continues to mash. So that's that's just great to see. Uh, so does Brandon Nimmo. He went uh, four for six with a couple of home runs. It was at Colorado. But uh, I think Nimmo at this point has shown us enough that uh, it's not just some kind of course Field thing, that he has legit power. uh, He just has uh, legit offensive skills and um, needs to be on pretty much everywhere at this point. And as I I mentioned on Monday's show, we're probably a long way from seeing Joanna Cespedes back with the Mets. And even if that weren't the case, I don't think we'd have to worry about playing time for Brandon Nimmo, but if that's something... That gives you pause about owning or starting Brandon Nimmo. It should not. Um, So for for whatever that's worth. Michael Conforto also showing a little bit of a sign of life. uh, Had a big game. And again, you know, you might want to chalk that up to uh, Coors Field. Maybe you don't. He uh, hit a couple of doubles. His seventh and eighth doubles of the season. He stole his second base of the season. And so on a little sort of mini hot streak over his last uh, six games, Conforto has gone seven for 20. Uh, those two doubles now have him up to three doubles over that six game span. And he's also hit a couple of home runs. So the power is certainly there in recent games for Michael Conforto. He's, you know, when I get questions about ad drops and things of that nature, I think Michael Conforto's probably the toughest player to deal with right now. Because uh, if you just look at it from a skills perspective, it, you shouldn't drop Michael Conforto, regardless of what, what the situation is. Uh, but that, unfortunately, that's not the only thing that comes into play. I mean, there's, there's a playing time consideration. Uh, will he play regularly against lefties uh, down the stretch again, especially when uh, Cespedes comes back? Uh, and how healthy is he? So, you know, th- these are all, I think, legitimate questions. Uh, for Conforto. And it was certainly, I think, and, and still is uh, legitimate to to wonder if he's at 100%, given how much he's, you know, you can look back at past seasons and see that he's he's got really good power and, um, you know, can get on base. But, uh, you know, those skills just haven't shown up in the same way this season. So, you know, now that we're but believe it or not, getting into late June, which is just the season seems to be going going very fast. Uh so you know, we're we're rapidly approaching the halfway mark of the season. And how long do you wait for Conforto? And and how long do you hold down a spot for him? So I've gotten to the point where I have started to advise people in shallower leagues to let him go. And that's, you know, probably I'm thinking a lot of people are doing that, uh, regardless of, of what my opinion is. Uh you know, it's uh, you know, I've just seen in my own league some of the shower leagues that he's been out there, and I've, I have picked him up. But, uh, you know, it's, it's the point where, you know, maybe I like Conforto uh, more than a lot of folks, and, and maybe I trust that past skill set a little bit more and hold out more hope. But even I'm getting to the point where I understand where you've got to make room for somebody that's producing more. But, again, having a mild little hot hot streak right now and, you know, I think that's probably reason enough that uh, if he is available, and he's available in quite a few leagues, um, you know, might this now might be the good time to go and get him before this mild hot streak potentially becomes a much more noticeable big hot streak. Uh, Shinsu Chu has stayed hot. He uh, had his 13th home run against the Royals on Monday and his 15th double and three walks. So that. On-base percentage, all already robust, and now it's up to 394. He's got a 279, 394, 478 slash line. I, I broke down Chu's stats, I think, about a week ago on this show and talked about how there is, uh, as there typically is for Chu, uh, a, a pretty big discrepancy in his value in points leagues uh, where all the walks and the, the doubles power, those things uh, certainly get rewarded much more. But... Uh, He's no slouch in roto either. I mean, he's must-own must-start at this point regardless of your format. But he's not just must-own in points leagues right now. He's just been an an absolute uh elite outfielder. Uh so uh yeah, start Shin-Su Chu if you aren't. And Matt Carpenter I just picked him up, and I've got one 10-team league. I picked him up in there. I, I don't expect that you'd be able to pick up Carpenter and anything with more than 12 teams, and maybe in a, I would hope in a 12-team league that the Carpenter's already owned. But if you're in a 10- or a 12-teamer, go get Matt Carpenter. Uh, he is hot, and he has been hot now for a solid month, actually just a little bit more than a solid month. And that continued on Monday against the Phillies at Citizens Bank Park. He hit his 11th homer and his 18th double and so now over his last 30 games, so again, this spans a period a little more than a month long. Carpenter is batting 323. He has a .382 on-base percentage and a .613 slugging. He's hit eight homers. He is uh, knocked in 14 runs, which actually, given all the bases he's getting and the extra bases he's getting, that seems low, 14 RBIs. Not that, you know, I mean, over 30 games, not that that's horrible, but... Uh, and then uh, he scored 21 runs, so uh, yeah, uh, it, it's time. It is absolutely time to uh, go out and get uh, Matt Carpenter, and it's it's certainly showing up in uh you know in the in the rankings over the past uh, 30 days. So going back 30 days, not quite capturing the entirety of um, of this uh, hot streak for for Carpenter. Uh, he, is, he ranks sixth among second basemen and sixth among third basemen over the last 30 days. So that's must-own, must-start, and yet he is available in some shallower leagues. And yes, I do understand he's been hitting uh, leadoff pretty much every game, uh, but I still think that uh, there, there's some room uh, for him to, to maybe drive in some more runs, You know, given that over the last 30 games, he's got eight home runs. But quite a few solo homers uh, in that uh, in that group. But Carpenter's not alone at second base in terms of surging. Jason Kipnis had a three hit game on Monday against the White Sox. One of those hits was his fifth home run of the season. And that power has come almost exclusively in the last month or so. Over his last 24 games, he's hitting 272. Obviously, big improvement over where he had been. Uh, with four runs, so four of his four, five home runs on the season have come in his last 24 games. He's also picked up a couple of stolen bases over that period. So that might not sound overwhelming, but again, if you prorate that out, you figure, okay, oh, 24 games, you pro- prorate that out over a season, um, you're looking at uh, you know the neighborhood of maybe 25 home runs and uh, certainly double-digit steals, double-digit steals, maybe about a dozen. Uh, with a 272 batting average. So Jason Kipnis, slowly and, and kind of quietly, uh, becoming relevant again. So, uh, he's out there in quite a few leagues. You can, uh, maybe pick him up. I don't think you can pick up Jacob DeGrom, but just worth noting that you don't have to worry about the course effect with him. Not that I think anybody was worried about that. He is, uh, universally owned, pretty much universally started. Uh, uh in fact, probably not just pretty much. Uh, but, uh, Doing it even at the course field. Eight innings against the Rockies on Monday. Two runs allowed. uh, Only one of those uh, an earned run. Five hits and a walk. 7K. So, great performance from DeGrom at uh, a very, very tough ballpark. A little bit more surprising. Maybe a lot more surprising. Trevor Williams with a great start against the Brewers. He had really been slumping. Saw a piece uh, within the last two days or so that... uh, Williams wasn't quite on the verge of being demoted out of the rotation, but uh, there was, you know, at least some talk that that would be a possibility down the line. But uh, don't think you have to worry about that now, uh, at least <laughs> till the next turn. And hopefully, he builds on this. He went uh, seven scoreless innings against the Brewers with just one hit allowed, two walks, seven Ks. Terrific start for Trevor Williams. Who, I don't think you're going to expect those kinds of uh, strikeout numbers, you know, or just those numbers in general from Williams uh, start to start. But what he had been really superb at earlier in the season was going deep into games, really uh, inducing a lot of soft contact. So, uh, you know, I think it's reasonable to expect that he could get back to being that sort of pitcher. Uh, again, who would have a little bit more value in a points league, uh, somebody that you could happily stream in a, in a two-start week if the matchups weren't too bad. So it looks uh, like he may be on the road to getting back there. Uh, now, opposing him and pretty much matching him was Yulish Haseen, who went six in the third innings, gave up one run on six hits with two walks, only two strikeouts. And I, you know, I just don't understand where this is coming from. A uh, number of pitchers that have mystified me this year. I know I keep bringing up Matt Cook because he's sort of the poster child for me of uh, a pitcher that uh, it just seems to be pitching way above and beyond his peripherals. Even the deeper ones, like the stack cast uh uh, metrics uh, that show that Cook is giving up a lot of hard contact, in, in addition to just not having a very good strikeout-to-walk ratio. Uh, Shasin, same deal. Very mediocre uh, strikeout rate. rate um, not the the best control. Not terrible, but nothing. You know, it's not like uh, you know Shasin is. Uh, I'm trying to give a good example here of a pitcher that uh, is very contact prone, but but has great control and is kind of I guess like a how Daniel Mengden was doing earlier in the year would be uh, probably the best example of that. Uh, That's that's not just model. He's not um, among the leaders in soft contact. So I, I have to think he is a big, big time regression candidate. Nick Pavetta with a really strong bounce back start against the Cardinals. He went seven and a third, gave up two runs on four hits, only one walk and 13 big strikeouts for Nick Pavetta. Uh, This was uh, far, far better than just a mere quality start. But his previous four starts in a row all fell short of the minimum quality start criteria of six innings, three runs. So that's a big, big upgrade for uh, Nick Pavetta. Uh, I still worry a bit because the two runs he gave up in the start were on solo homers. And it's a small sample, and it's not an extreme stat, but he has given up four home runs now in his last three starts. And the reason why I'm zoning in on that for Pavetta is that I think if there's a potential Achilles heel here, it's that Pavetta is a a fly ball pitcher. And especially with his home park of Citizens Bank Park, that's a potential liability. And I talked about this on the show earlier. I wrote wrote a a lengthy piece on it that he's gotten around that this year by – being very, very stingy with pulled balls, especially pulled fly balls. And that's held up. So even through that four-start slump, that is held up for Nick Pavetta. He's not allowing hitters to pull fly balls against him. So uh, that doesn't necessarily mean he is homer-proof. The hard contact rate on on those fly balls isn't especially low. So despite the fact that uh, it's hard to pull a fly ball against Nick Pavetta, he's been one of the best in the majors in preventing that, I still think there's potential home run risk here. The hope is that uh, if you're a Pavetta owner or you want to be one, that he just misses so many bats that that threat becomes minimal. That is my hope. Uh, I'm actually, despite just going on for a couple of minutes about the home run risk, I'm actually on balance more optimistic than pessimistic about Pavetta because of the strikeouts. So um, we'll see how this plays out. But I would say going forward, and especially in, more favorable venues that I would feel pretty confident about starting him, despite the fact that he did have that string of four starts in a row that weren't very good. Trevor Bauer, not much to say here other than just that when you toss seven shutout innings, uh, it at least deserves a mention. It was against the White Sox, but we don't worry about matchups. Uh, I don't worry about matchups. I I shouldn't speak for you. I don't worry about matchups with Trevor Bauer. uh, Seven scoreless innings on three hits, two walks, and eight Ks. Uh, On the other side of that, Dylan Covey did not go very well for him, did not have control at all uh, in that start. And his control had actually been really good in his prior starts, almost all of them. So I'm not too worried about Dylan Covey at this point. And there is certainly nothing wrong with getting outdueled by Trevor Bauer. Uh, My concern is just that when you're pitching with poor control, that you're you're doing that to yourself. So uh, that's something to watch. For Dylan Covey, but you know, he's still getting the ground balls. Um, you know I, I, I'm not too worried at this point, but to see how the next start goes and see if he can uh, improve his control going forward. And Andrew Suarez with a really nice start against the Marlins, although ultimately uh, the Marlins did win that one because uh, uh, Hunter Strickland blew the save. But uh, Suarez, for his part, went six and a third, gave up two runs on five hits and a walk with seven Ks. He's got a really nice strikeout to walk ratio. He's got twenty a twenty three point five percent strikeout rate, which is which is good, not great, but it's it's certainly respectable. Uh, he's got a four point nine percent walk rate, which is very tidy. So, you know, better than that uh, Daniel Megden type of scenario I was talking about earlier. And he's got the great ballpark. He does have a, a much better ERA at home than on the road. A three point four one ERA at AT and Park. Uh, I don't, wouldn't necessarily trust Suarez. On the road, he's not a, a big swing and miss guy. He's not a big soft contact guy. But really, so, you know, somebody to, uh, if he's not already on your radar, to think about streaming, particularly in deepish leagues, 14, 15, 16, uh, when he's pitching at home. And this is a great matchup, too. So. Uh, still have to talk about Garrett Cole. Going to do that on the other side. Going to take a look at lineups for tonight. Weather, a little bit of bad talk. Lots of stuff coming up right after this break. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Um, and, uh, we've got, uh, quite a bit to get to, like I said, uh, we're going to talk a bit about Garrett Cole's start and we we'll go back past, uh, just the most recent start, uh, break that down a little bit for you. Got a whole bunch of lineups, uh, get to as many of those as I can, uh, little weather, get y'all ready for the nighttime slate, talk about some, uh, high Babbitt players that aren't overachieving. Uh, and uh, before all that, uh, just a quick note here that if you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports but you're sick of dealing with professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, try the Props Builder tool at mybookie.ag. Forget about having to create multiple lineups. Ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches and avoid experts winning 90% of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can elect an option to receive a 50% deposit bonus with that or with a rollover requirement. Uh, no more dealing with late lineup scr- scratches and no experts to compete against. It's just you and the prop that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag, enter the promo code FNTSY upon sign up, and choose your matchups using the props builder tool. So that's mybookie.ag. The promo code is FNTSY. Uh, so, uh, let's talk about Garrett Cole, shall we? Uh, he did not have the best of starts on Monday, uh, against the Rays did make it, uh, seven innings deep, but gave up, uh, four runs on only three hits, but five walks, eight strikeouts, uh, against the Rays. And, and what has been a bit of an aberration of late, uh, a lot of swinging strikes, I believe 17 of them. Don't didn't put my notes here. Uh, don't have it in front of me, but uh, I think it was 17. So it was, it was a good, you know, goodly number. Uh, but um, over the last six starts, including last night's, Cole has a 10% whiff rate. That's very ordinary. And he certainly was not ordinary earlier in the year in terms of getting swings and misses. His whiff rate over his first nine starts of the season was 16%. So, again, that's a big drop-off. 60% in the not, uh, first nine starts, 10% in the last six. And, overall, the results have not not been that great. Uh, you could actually take it back one start more, and I think his ERA would be a little bit higher than over the last six. But I made the the, the break-off point here, the last six starts for Cole, because that's when his whiff rate started going down. So, over the six most recent starts, he's thrown 39 innings. So, not bad durability and efficiency. But, uh, and I should add, 45 strikeouts, that's obviously a good thing. Okay, so here's the but. 16 walks and 39 innings. Not great. Uh, And seven home runs, definitely not great over 39 innings. And that all for him has added up to a 3.92 ERA uh, over the last six starts. So, overall, the performance is fine. You're getting the strikeouts from him. The ERA is not catastrophic. It's not great either. Uh, and you take away the rays in this last start and the whiffs in the strikeout or the strikeouts are right. The, the whiffs, the swinging strikes, not, you know, not, not really there anymore. Uh, contact rate has gone way up for Cole over the last six starts. So as far as I'm concerned, he still must start, but it's not automatic for me anymore. And I know that sounds like a contradiction must start, but not automatic. What I mean by that is, um, that now with each start, I'm going to be looking a little bit more closely. How many swings and misses is he, is he getting? How many batters is he walking? How many extra base hits? as uh, he continue to pro- provide strikeouts? I'm going to look at Cole starts a, with a, a bit more scrutiny going forward because the signs now uh, over a good period of time have been, uh, been less than positive. So uh, speaking of less than positive, we have a few games where uh, you'll need to Check in on the weather before you set your final uh, lineups for tonight. One of those is uh, the nightcap of uh, the Dodgers and Cubs. Uh, As I mentioned before, that's a 7.05 Central time start. And 42% chance of rain at game time going up uh, to 54% uh, around um, 9 o'clock Central. So, Keep an eye on that one. And the other one uh, that looks, I'd say, looks maybe even a little bit worse is the Rockies hosting the Mets. Uh, 36% chance of uh, precipitation around game time. And then going up a little bit after that and going up a bit more uh, as you would uh, get uh, maybe possibly into the the later innings. So maybe a situation there where you have a shortened start or a postponement um, Suspended game, perhaps. So, uh, two games uh, to uh, just uh, check back on the weather for uh, when uh, you are setting setting your lineups. Otherwise, it's a uh, yeah, a little bit of a rain chance uh, in Cincinnati. It doesn't look too bad though. So, I think it's those two games mostly that you need to be uh, concerned about. Now, uh, like I said, a lot of the lineups are out. In fact, all of the lineups now. For the East Coast games are are out, except for the Nationals. They have yet to uh, post a lineup. Uh, They're hosting the Orioles in a little uh, I-95 series. Uh, Nationals Park, uh, Jeffrey Rodriguez going to be starting that one for the Nationals against David Hess. For the Orioles, Orioles do have a lineup out, um, but nothing uh, particularly notable there. Uh, However, they did DFA uh, Pedro Alvarez earlier today, uh, for those who take note of such things. Uh, The Pirates are hosting the Brewers. And uh, for the Brewers, uh, we have both Eric Thames and Jesus Aguilar in the lineup. So that means no Ryan Braun uh, in the uh, lineup there. And also no Travis Shaw. I assume this is probably his lingering uh, wrist issue that's keeping him out of the lineup. So Aaron Perez is playing third base and batting fifth. For the Pirates, once again, no Austin Meadows. Uh, So you've got uh, Dickerson, Marte, and Polanco uh, in the outfield there Uh, for that one. That's going to be Freddie Peralta uh, just called up against Jamison Tyone. We've got Mariners, Yankees at Yankee Stadium, Marco Gonzalez, and Domingo Herman. I'm going to be watching that one closely because I'm starting both of those uh, pitchers in multiple leagues. Uh, He's an uncomfortable position to be in. And uh, for the Yankees, uh, no Brett Gardner. And I don't know if that's because he's banged up or because they're facing the lefty Marco Gonzalez or probably conveniently both of those things. Uh, But you got Clint Frazier starting in left field and batting ninth. Uh, Phillies and Cardinals. It's Luke Weaver. I don't know who Luke Luke Weaver is, but Luke Weaver is starting for the Cardinals. Vince Velasquez and yes, Matt Carpenter atop the lineup again. Uh, Dexter Fowler back in there so no Harrison Bader for the collars uh, for the Cardinals uh, Fowler batting sixth uh, playing in right field and uh, for the Phillies uh, no Michael Franco you got J.P. Crawford at third base uh, batting ninth and also uh, no Nick Williams so you've got Hoskins Herrera and Altair in the outfield for the Phillies Braves and uh, Blue Jays at Rogers Center. That's Mike Soraka and Jaime Garcia. Um, Don't see any surprises there. I'm actually looking at these pretty quickly. I apologize because I didn't get a chance to look at that during the break. Uh, We have Indians hosting the White Sox. Carlos Rodan and Mike Clevenger. That could be a, a good one. And uh we got uh yep, yeah, pretty much normal alignment for the Indians. Uh Geyer in right field, Rajay Davis in center, Geyer batting fifth, Davis batting ninth. Um, and then we finally we've got uh Tigers and Reds, Matt Boyd and Sal Romano at Great American Ballpark. Uh Nico Gudrum at second base and batting cleanup for the Tigers. And uh Victor Reyes in left field. Uh, So, uh, yeah, nothing else unusual there for the Tigers. Uh, For the Reds, we've got Winker in right. We've got Hamilton in center and Duvall in left. So, no Scott Schebler. I got to go take Schebler out of my daily league lineup. Uh, No Scott Schebler today for the Cincinnati Reds. And that is it. No uh, lineups yet for any of the Central Mountain or Pacific Time games as of yet. All right, so uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, wrote not one, but two pieces in the last uh, 24 hours or so dealing with uh, BABIP. And uh, one of them on, on fan tracks, uh high BABIP hitters, who are actually legit. And I don't by high BABIP, I don't mean 330 or 340. I mean like 380, which seems outrageous, I know. And it's probably not a great bet with anybody, um, no matter what kind of track record they have, to count on them uh, to, to hit with that uh, kind of rate on balls in play. But um, one of the players that I include in this analysis was Jorge Alfara, who – I find just fascinating actually because he strikes out so much and yet he's got a 241 average, which you know, you would just probably assume just looking at the average, like, ah, Alfaro's batting 241, eh, probably striking out like 28% of the time and you know, just with a normal Babbitt. But he's striking out at a 46.5% rate, which is, I mean, that's just mind boggling. Almost half of his plate appearances results in a strikeout. So when you put it in that context, the fact that Alfaro's batted 241, you think, what could he do if he actually cut back the strikeout rate? And Alfaro, he struck out a lot when he was up last year in August and September. He didn't strike out this much. So if he can actually get that down to like 35%, which for anybody else would still be way too high, Alfaro could actually really be a very good number two fantasy catcher because there is some power potential there. And the one thing he he seems to be able to do very consistently, he did it last uh, late last summer when he came up. He's doing it now is uh, is hit really well on balls and play. He just doesn't put enough of those balls in play. He uh, almost never pops out uh, so far this year. He's hitting a lot of line drives and, um, you know, and decent power, too. So I, I I like him as a speculation target. I mean, he's. For understandable reasons, really widely available. I think that the the second half of the season, and I mean chronologically, I'm not saying wait till after the All Star break, but you know we're coming up chronologically on the second half of the season. I think it could be very good for for Alfaro, but he's got to cut back on the strikeouts because there's a whole bunch of other things there that look really good. Uh, and the the player that actually inspired me to write this piece is Brian Anderson, who I mean I like well enough as a player. I owned him in one league but traded him away when I had the opportunity to get uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. Um so I don't I don't own Anderson in any, any leagues at this point. Uh but you know every time I see his stats and every time I see his ownership rates I'm always kind of surprised by it. So I thought, you know, it seems like this guy's just completely living on a high BABIP rate. It's uh 368 but his uh, ex babip is not that much lower. It's 350. And the, the reason why Anderson's such an enigma to me is that you look at somebody like Alfaro or uh, another player that I included in the piece, Brandon Crawford, who's just hitting a gazillion line drives. Uh, you know, there's something obvious there like, oh, okay, they're doing this kind of thing in terms of their batted ball profile. That really lends itself to an extremely high babip. Now, again, as I said earlier, whether or not they can sustain that, that's a whole different story, but Anderson doesn't even have that. He's like a little bit above average at a bunch of, of different things. Uh, you know, doesn't pop out a whole lot, doesn't make a whole lot of poor contact, but he's not particularly extreme in that regard. Uh, he leans towards being kind of a, a ground ball hitter, so there's not a lot of fly balls. Which you know, if you're a fly ball hitter, uh, you're you're going to tend to have a below average BABIP. Uh, but he's just like good enough at a bunch of different things that contribute to uh, to a high batting average on balls and play that he's, he's managed to overachieve only slightly. Like I said, a 368 BABIP, but a 350 X BABIP. And in some ways that makes Anderson a better bet than a Jorge Alfaro, just to use him as, as an example, because with Anderson, it's not like, wow, he's got, you know, a 30% line drive rate. How is he going to maintain that, you know, Wow, he's uh, uh, you know avoiding uh, 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 or he's he's avoiding soft contact at, at some you know league, league leading rate that we can't expect him to maintain. Like he's just doing a bunch of things a little better than average, and they're adding up. So you know, for whatever that's worth, I, I'm not sure in terms of you know an, an actionable piece of advice other than if you need batting average and, and runs scored. And you're in a league where where Anderson is out there, he could probably continue to you know to hit upper two hundreds, maybe you know best case scenario be, be a, a three hundred hitter rest of season. Um, you know pretty good plate discipline, so if it's a points or OBP league, could be very valuable there. Uh, but he's you know basically like legit performing like somebody that you would have to start in a twelve team mixed league. And I've really had a hard time understanding that. So on that basis, even though I've, I've tended to think he was over-owned, he may in fact be a little bit under-owned. So doing the the research on, on Brian Anderson has really kind of changed my mind on him. And uh, to, to go to another player that I wrote about, Gorky Simandas, who I've just absolutely written off. And yet I was really surprised to find that he's been really consistent for batting average now for more than a year, uh, if you go back to more than a year ago, if you go back to the beginning of June 2017, he, he's hitting 290. So, you know, he's getting a lot of regular play. Uh, I'm not sure I buy into the power that you got from, uh, from Gorky Hernandez a little bit earlier in the season. He's definitely slumped lately as far as that that's concerned. The power may come and go. Uh, strikeout rate seems to be very inconsistent, good to bad to good again. Um, but the one thing he has done extremely consistently for more than a year now is get hits on balls and play. So he's hit 290 over uh, going back to, more than a year, back to the beginning of last June. He's hitting 377 on balls and play over that same period. That's 416 plate appearances. So again, you know, sort of like I was saying about Anderson, I think maybe sort of on a lower level uh, than Anderson. But again, if you're Maybe in a 14-team mixed league, and you need batting average or runs scored. Gorkis Hernandez. I mean, he's unlike unlike Brian Anderson. I guess maybe he's the poor man's Brian Anderson. Unlike Anderson, he's available almost everywhere. Gorkis Hernandez. I don't know how long he's going to continue to play regularly, but uh, I think it could happen. And uh, as we uh, come to a close here, I did mention earlier. I did. Uh, I actually didn't write. I'm in the process of writing a piece on Gary Sanchez that uh, will be on FanGraphs a, a little bit later today on th- that's Tuesday. If you're listening on demand and um, finding out some really interesting stuff about the season he's had. I don't want to give away the details. I hope you read the piece, but, but basically uh, that horrible batting average he has does not have to be that way. He should be hitting for a much higher average. Uh, so maybe a good time to buy low on Gary Sanchez. And on that note, time to call it a day. Uh, enjoy a, a full slate of games tonight. Uh, good luck with your daily leaks. And I'll be back here tomorrow. See you then. Have a good one, everybody.